uh, my forces are unstoppable. Soon my millions will have conquered everything in the world. Go forth, my zombie horde, and man Nepal. It is time for us to fight, my brothers. We monks will never be beaten by the foul undead. Oh, yuck. Zombie guts everywhere. Not a pretty sight. Well, fine. My harpies will send you to the afterlife. Alright, Chef Nagam, we made you to shoot them bloody bats right out of the we go. Huh, guess my soldiers are eating dumb sticks for the next few days. That's a whole lot I suddenly have to take care of. But fine, it's time to send in the cavalry. Beastmen hate horse. Beastmen beat horse, yes. Time to send stupid horse packing, yes. We do that now. Fine, I want to save them for further east, but my dragons will make mincy meat of anything you've got. And I guess I better put those poor horses out to pasture. Their day is done. Why don't you want samurai? Nina, tutti Banzai! Wait, what? M my dragons lost to samurai? <sighs> That's it. I'm not gonna eat dragon steak. I'm breaking all the rules. Robots, falcons, ghosts, bandits, chimeras, flying robots. Go and win the day so that RPG Backtrack can begin! Today, the panel throws everything at each other, including the kitchen sink, as they discuss Dragon Force for the Sega Saturn. Becky and Phil go back to 1996 to experience Stonekeep and its incredible campy cutscenes. The show is now old enough to drink, and it's a good thing, since we have more mics than you can shake a stick at. All of this and your comments today on RPG Backtrack. Welcome to RPG Backtrack. This is number 2021? 20, 20, which number are we on? 21. Like? 22. <laughs> I lost track after a while. We're old enough to drink now. Um, I'm stealing all of Mike's jokes. Real Mike's jokes. We'll talk about that in a second. Welcome to RPG Backtrack, where we discuss computer and console RPGs from the way back when right up to yesteryear. It's also a place where we can't pronounce any proper nouns, encourage spoilers, and the host doesn't know the list of all the monsters in Dragon Force. My name is Philip Willis. And I am Mike Minky, and for whatever reason, I have been thinking about Allie McBeal today. I don't know why. Allie for the win. <laughs> <laughs> and we have got, we've almost got as many guests as there are different types of armies in Dragon Force. Today we have, we welcome back to the show, Miss Becky Cunningham. Hello there. How's it going, Miss Becky? Just back from vacation, so I'm a little dogged, but I'm doing pretty well. That's okay. We won't keep you long. I understand you're just going to stay on with us to talk about some uh, old PC games, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's get this ball rolling. Mr. Cunningham, welcome back. Mr. Michael Cunningham. No relation, no offense. Greetings. <laughs> <laughs> the sure. name is just so good that it didn't have to stick to one family. Yeah. The name's so nice, <laughs> we used it twice. There you go. There you go. And last, and not least, I think, the you fake Mike. <laughs> the fake Mike, Mr. Michael Apps. Welcome to the show, Mr. Michael Apps. How are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? Okie dokie. This is your first time on the all new, revamped, totally. Po how long are we going to say that? Uh, <laughs> RPG Backtrack. So, we have this little gauntlet of questions we'd like to ask of our new contestants. I mean, guest. First of all, Excellent. why don't you tell us? Why don't you tell us uh, what, what, what's your handle on RP Gamer and what do you do here with uh, with the site? The handle is Wheels. Long story. And right now I'm a newsy for the moment. Newsy. All right, getting in on the ground floor. <laughs> all newsies yes. seem to have other aspirations for 
<laughs> world domination and other fun stuff. Dreams are good. I'm here to crush them. Um, give us a brief. Like, why don't you? Why don't you tell us about your your gaming history a little bit? Why why are you why are you on RP gamer? Does it have something to do with RPGs? Yes, I pretty much play almost all RPGs of all types. So, what was your first RPG? Uh, I'd say my first real RPG that I really sunk my teeth into would be Final Fantasy Legend for the Game Boy. Wow. The old which black is, and white. We won't hold that yeah. against you. No. <laughs> and I must say... Mr. If, Self seems to like that game. <laughs> Final Fantasy Legend is not the kind of game you should be playing when you're like eight years old. I'm just going to say that. So what what did you get into after that? Did you ever get into like uh, some of the other RPGs, Pokemon or anything? Well, um... Mostly in, in around that era, I moved into like Super Nintendo RPGs, you know, all the classics, Final Fantasies, Chrono Trigger, uh, and also eventually got a Genesis and came to love Shining Force. And from there, Preach on, even, brother. Preach eventually, on. Get, eventually got a Saturn and you know played and played Shining Force three. I did play Shining Force three, although the end of all of it or just Scenario one, just Scenario one. I will eventually play the rest of it, don't you worry. And I'm probably one of the few people in the world who actually likes all the Kawazu games, all the Saga games, Crystal Bearers, all that good stuff. Another thing we won't hold against you. <laughs> actually, wait, doesn't Michael Baker, our Japandemonium guy, also like pretty much everything he does. in Saga? He does. <laughs> he's a Saga fan. Of course, so he's, on the wrong, he's in the wrong time zone. He doesn't have a microphone anyway, so he won't be joining us. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, name any, like, random RPG, classic RPG. I've probably played it. I've played a lot of games, although I haven't actually finished a whole lot. So it sounds like you, you actually share a little bit of love for import games with Mr. Minky. Uh, probably, but the, I've only ever... The only game I've ever really import, imported and really played a lot of is Seventh Dragon. Hmm. And I've put about 20 hours into that game so far. So... I, I do not know a lick of Japanese. Ah, uh, okay. So, given given some of that, do you think that you would be open to ever importing other games where maybe the language barrier isn't too big of a consideration? Absolutely. I mean, I, would, I was surprised. You know, obviously I need some guides and stuff, but... You know, I was surprised how easy it was to play Seventh Dragon. Although I, I, I'm guessing playing Etrian Odyssey helps a lot since it's so similar. Well, let me highly recommend, and this is not a self promotion by any stretch of the imagination, that you listen to RPG Backtrack, where every week they feature an RPG import corner where they Ooh. talk about import games and even discuss how easy it is to play those guys if you don't know too much Japanese. Isn't that awesome? Hey, being me. Stop giving me a plural. I am not more than one person. <laughs> you might be now. <laughs> that I would get... be awesome. If I have a doppelganger, think of how much more I can do. <laughs> Mike, I... Mike times two. When I get done making up new names for all of you, you will feel like that there is more than one Mike Minky. So, Mr. Apps, what's your yes. favorite RPG of all time? Hmm. That's a good question, and but the obvious answer has to be Final Fantasy VI. Awesome! Uh, virtual high five! All right, <laughs> yes! 
Wow, complete with sound effect. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only on RPG backtrack. <laughs> uh, and what what would you what would you say is your favorite type, what your favorite subgenre of RPGs? Uh definitely tactical RPGs. Awesome, another virtual high five. Yes. <laughs> All right. Woo. Woo. Well, we welcome you aboard and hope to uh, hope that uh, that you'll have fun with us this week and that you'll come back and join us for some future backtracks. Sure. We have a we have a special uh, special last minute guest onto the show. Let's welcome. Mm, gosh, dang it! Another mic. <laughs> Mister- <laughs> I can't keep up with all you guys anymore. So so. <laughs> Whew. Mike, Mike, it's Mike. Michael Tidwell. Michael just in Tidwell. Case you're yeah. Just yeah, in thanks. case. I'm sorry, my brain is just short circuited. Now we're up to four. It's just okay. Here, it, it, Michael. What we were yeah, talking I, about before I you put in a call to Michael Kane and Michael Douglas. They might join us. Yeah. And if you do, then I'll get Michael to Stipe along so that you can get your favorite REM questions out in the open. Yeah. Mr. Tidwell, you know how great I am remembering people's names during the podcast. So to help facilitate things for myself, which is really all of y'all's desire at the end of the day, I've assigned each one of you different names. So <laughs> since Mike Minky's the a regular host with me here, he's the real Mike. The new guy, Mike Apps, he's fake Mike. Uh, Michael Cunningham is kind of the boss, so we're just going to call him Mr. Cunningham. And you being the only one right now with children, I didn't ask Mike. Anyways, um, we're going to call you Daddy Mike. Any. Okay, good. So if I call you Daddy Mike, you'll be the only one who responds. <laughs> You okay. See? All right. That so great. I'll try not to resort to that, but if I start short circuiting again, I'm just going to fall back on what I know. Okay. And and yes, we have pointed out that there are easier ways of doing this, but no. that's all right. Yeah, that's okay. They that's are right. as fun. This works for me, and what works for me is really what's important at the end of the day. So with all of these introductions out of the way, let's move on to PC Pit Stop, starring Becky Cunningham. Oh, I, hey, and you. <laughs> talking about Stonekeep. This is yep. a this is a first person uh, first person perspective RPG dungeon crawler type game. Why don't you give us a a, a brief overview about the game and its story? <laughs> we we didn't even discuss which one of us finished the most of it. Um I'm presuming okay. you did. Go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> um well, Stonekeep came out in about 1996, which was for me during the dark years in which I decided that maybe earning a college degree was a better idea than playing lots of video games. Get so out! I, I just started. Ooh. I just played it for the first time uh, in the last couple months. Um, but it's it's an interesting little game. It's sort of in the vein of um, Eye of the Beholder and um, Ultima Underworld, those first-person dungeon crawlers. Um, 
except they added in the sort of um, VGA era cinematography that was kind of popular for a while there. And it's really disconcerting when you first start the thing up and there's a cutscene with like real actors rendered in 256 color VGA. <laughs> it pixels the size of a pimple, you know? Just, yeah. just, no, let me tell you, let me just, I got, I got to just pause you right there for a second. I, if you, if you, if you don't do anything else in this lifetime, at least go on YouTube and watch some of these videos of the introduction for this show or what, or this game and whatnot, because you just haven't lived until you've seen acting that's just this bad i mean it's just it's i mean to call it b-rate would just be giving it praises because it's really and and then when you when you when you combine the really bad acting with of course what is today considered very low-res graphics and you combine that with their very poor cgi backgrounds that they had going on oh this is just it's awesome sauce you just have to watch it all right continue (laughs) It is pretty awesome. Luckily, actually, um, the voice acting within the actual game isn't too bad, especially for the time when games had about three cents for uh, voice acting budgets. So it it, it could be worse. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it sounds basically like they grabbed some of the guys in the office, hand them, hey, you're going to read that, you know, that kind of stuff, which was fine back in the day. Well, at least they were in, they were enthusiastic about it. It wasn't like some of the games where it sounds like somebody got their bored teenager to voice it. So at least there's that. <laughs> um, but yeah, you basically you you're playing a uh, main guy who uh, was um, his castle was invaded and his kingdom pretty much destroyed when he was a little kid, and he got rescued somehow, um, and then comes back to the ruins of the castle to become a hero. Um, that's the basic setup, and you show up with basically nothing and get to pick up yeah. some weapons. No, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't skip. The, uh, you're almost missing, missing a really huge plot point here that's absolutely critical. Isn't there a, like a big glowing ball that leads him to the dungeon, the lady chick talking to him, saying you've got yeah. to do all this stuff that I tell you to do? I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I'm sitting there, I'm crying over my dead lost one, swearing revenge. This orb comes out of nowhere and starts saying, do what I tell you to do, and I'll give you great power and help you rescue your friends. I, I, I immediately do what she says. I don't ask questions. That's just, that's just a given. That's, Is that's, it a glowing disco ball or just a glowing ball? You know, she's like a chick who turns into a ball, if I remember correctly. I, I don't know. My, mem- my my memory was so scarred after the experience. It might be a little fuzzy, but um, <laughs> yeah. I was too busy focusing on the really great voice acting. But, uh, I remember her leading to me to the dungeon, talking to me a lot, explaining to me the basics mechanics of the game as far as opening up my magic uh, scroll, which holds all of my items and inventory and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah, she's a goddess of some sort, and um, she's gonna. You think she's gonna lead you through the dungeon, but pretty soon the big bad guy shows up and like captures her. So then you're on your own. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Everybody needs a big bad guy like him to show up and capture the chick. Oh wait, they already of... have him. <laughs> What's that? Oh, he's got kind of frightening, weird armor, but. Yeah, he's kind of creepy, but he's yeah. he's creepy not because they try to make him creepy, but because of the limitations of the uh, the hardware at the time and whatnot. That's just the way he kind of came out. There was probably yeah. a vision to make him really evil and magnificent and stuff like that, and because of the limitations, he just came out creepy. Yeah, he's more Pee Wee's Playhouse creepy than like actual creepy. Yeah, like you want to invite him over with your kids in the middle of the night. Just not a great idea. Well, knowing what we know now, Pee Wee Herman looks kind of creepy. Yeah. So <laughs> I thought he always was, but you know. 
it's a first person it's a first dungeon first person judge crow like you said in, in vein of the eye of the beholder or whatnot one of the things i found interesting is that as you're equipping your items you actually see you're, you basically are holding up a mirror to yourself to equip this stuff so you actually see yourself as you're putting them on you're seeing your face and your body that was kind of a nice little touch i thought Yep. I think um, one of the cool things about it is it, it did introduce some innovations to that genre that um, you sometimes still don't find in games. Um, it had a really excellent auto-mapping system um, in which you can also add notes um, to the map, which is pretty cool. I mean, you, um, you essentially have you essentially have the auto-mapping feature plus a Trianasi's ability to take notes wherever you want, and this was in 96. Thank mm -hmm. goodness I didn't play this in 96 because I would have been killing every dungeon crawler after that for not having that feature. Because that's, yeah. I mean, it's it's just makes you wonder if they could do it in 96. Why haven't they been doing it since? It's it's really good. And, you know, it's, it, they, they did some interesting things, like your your inventory is actually basically unlimited, but it's a little bit awkward to work with. You kind of have to scroll through this big, long scroll. Um you're not exactly in the physical plane in this game, so like your inventory just kind of goes off onto a magical scroll and you pick things out of it. Um, but it, it ends up working pretty well. It's kind of fun. You can throw things. Um, you can throw anything at the bad guys. Um, the puzzles are very tactile. You move them around on the screen. There's a lot of hidden secrets, so if you like searching for things, there's invisible walls and buttons hidden everywhere and stuff like that so it's fun to run around in it's not easy um the combat's actually pretty difficult combat combat uh, is you know as understandably feels a little bit stiff you know, yeah i'm fighting some of the guys you know you feel like you're getting a whopping three frames a second going on there and it, it can feel a little stiff at times and whatnot but yeah definitely you have to especially in the early game like to throw things because that gives you kind of an advantage i can kill some of the things before they even get to me by throwing enough rocks and tweezers and, and toothpicks at them so or alternately you could go on the good old games forum and learn the location of a secret uber weapon on the first floor not um, that and not that kill people the first like, few floors not that rp gamers like you and i would ever do something like that absolutely of course, not. never never no, no. Right, games are meant to be played straight. They are not meant to be broken in any way. That's right. And, and we have mm -hmm. gamers' integrity and honesty and all that other fun stuff. So, um, <laughs> oh, boy. Um, any, any, any other detailed thoughts that come to your mind before we kind of wrap this up? Well, I, I think it's it's a fun fun little romp if you like that kind of game. If you liked Eye of the Beholden or um, Ultima Underworld, it's it's definitely fun to check out. If um, if you don't mind a little bit of retro wackiness, um, and I'll probably end up finishing it. I got uh, through a few strata and then tried to play it today, but there were unending, completely respawning wasps that I couldn't figure out how to get rid of, and I went, ah, I'm tired. So um, so there's there's definitely it's easy to get stuck every once in a while, but I think I'll probably play it because I like those kind of games. Yeah, absolutely. If you're into, if you enjoy the games like Entree and Odyssey, Dark Spire, uh, and whatnot, you'll definitely get a kick out of this game. You can you you, you can feel free to use uh, facts to make the. I mean, essentially, using facts will make the game easier or harder for you. So in a way, you're setting your own difficulty. If you want something that's Dark Spire hard, <laughs> then don't read the facts. Um, if if you want if you want a, a little bit more of a pleasant experience, then you know definitely dive into facts, find some of the secrets, and read some of the combat tips and whatnot to help get you through some of the tough spots. But uh, you know the auto mapping helps a lot to where I never really felt like. 
uh, for as far as I got anyways. I never felt like I had to resort to the, the FAQs to figure out you know where I was going next or whatnot. But it definitely does have some old school conventions such like, like you said, the respawning monsters were, were a bit of a pain sometimes. Yeah. Now you can um, get you can get this on GOG. Uh, I believe that was, was what I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like six dollars, and it works really well. I had no problems running in XP. Did you have any problems? I had no problems running in Windows Seven. Woohoo! So uh, I love GOG. Um, <laughs> um, but it, yeah, it worked just fine. It works just about any type of PC or anything like that because it's so old. <laughs> Uh, but overall, if you're into that, if you're into that genre, a, good, a pretty darn good game. If you're not into dungeon crawlers, this is not going to convert you. So, no. no, not at all. So, but but even if you're not into it, definitely go to YouTube and check out some of the videos just for kicks and giggles. Uh, the, the the name of the game again is Stone, Stone Keep. Keep. Stone Keep. Well, thank you so much for being on tonight, Becky. I hope you'll be on next month. Thanks, I sure will, and have a great podcast, guys. Yeah, good Thanks. night. See you, Mike. Good night. Good night. Bye. Hey, that is, that is convenient. She just said good night, Mike, and knocked out all four of you at once. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> saving some time. Well, speaking of saving time, let's not delay any further. Let's move on to our main game discussion for the evening. Mr. Tidwell, I don't believe you've had much to say yet, so why don't you introduce Dragon Force for us? Uh, introduce it? Uh, let's see. Great, off the top of my head, thanks. Um, Dragon uh, Force was... Oops. was Sorry, uh, I, I thought you'd be raring to go. No, I just I didn't know anything about the game you were talking about, so I'm like, I'll just sit here and read <laughs> forums or something. <laughs> <laughs> Dragon Same Force is for the... Uh, one of my favorite games for the Saturn. It was uh, unique in the fact that you could have up to 100 characters on the screen, which was really cool. And, I mean, it's not like they were individually controlled, but just seeing that many at once, especially that long ago, was just um, pretty fascinating, really. So what kind of game was it? What really... What was the setting and all of that with this one? It's mostly a, a strategy RPG. You basically started in one of the main castles, and you're, you had a story to go through, and when you had to invade um, different areas, you would be building up different kind of armies, depending on, um, partly depending on who you were, but also you know what kind of armies you wanted to make. And you would all start uh, basically on one side of the screen, and your enemy would start on the other side of the screen, and your goal was to you know go over and kill him. And you would, uh, I don't remember exactly. You, you issued commands to your uh, unit somehow. So, like, if you knew that he had a big magic spell and a shot right down the middle of the screen, you could split your units and go around the side. You know, you could try to engage them and make sure uh, they didn't get to you. And uh, there was also a, not exactly a triangle of power, but definitely, you know, this unit's strong against this unit and weak against this unit and all the sorts of things like that. So, you knew ahead of time if it was a good idea. Like, if you take flying things into archers, you're probably not going to have a good day. You know, things like that. 
It's just really yeah. a really intense strategy RPG. As an example of that, I played Goldark once, and he gets uh, Riskim, who is a guy who controls tons of zombies and has an incredibly powerful resurrect. It takes up 50 troops at a time. So I figured, well, I've got the incredible power of resurrect behind me, and I'm going to take him up against this monk. Well, let me tell you, even with resurrecting 50 troops at a pop, I couldn't take the monk down. That's how strong monks are against zombies. They wiped the floor with me. I just barely pulled out a draw when time ran out. Nice. Well, I'll have to maybe cut you off in Phil's behalf, but uh, I think, you know, you kind of threw Michael right into the middle of this. I mean, Daddy Mike or whatever we're calling you. <laughs> whatever, yeah. <laughs> maybe just a brief little introduction about what Dragon Force really was. A Saturn RP, uh, I guess like you said, strategy RPG that was developed by Sega and brought over to North America by Working Designs and 1996, correct? Yes. Yep. Yep. This is one of their many Saturn localizations that they did. And Back when working designs could get things done pretty quickly. Because it came out the same year in Japan. And that's something that publishers still struggle with, it seems like, nowadays. Not all their Saturn games came out quickly. Uh, no, but we'll we'll not be talking about the exception to that rule. Today. Yes, okay. Because <laughs> most of the exceptions to that rule took years instead of months. Yes. Um, yeah, you want me to take it, Michael, or shall I? Or do you want to go on with the your Dragon Force introduction? No, no. I just really wanted to kind of just step back okay. for a second, let people know it was a Saturn RPG, and I thought I brought it out. So. Developed it. You probably we did. did but we just kind of threw you into the middle of it. And, yeah, they're uh, like, here, talk. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I think I have a script here. Oh, wait, I don't. <laughs> All right, uh, the setup is that there's the continent of Legendra. Uh, three, 300 years before the dark god Madric tried to destroy it, he fought the great god Harskalt to a standstill. They've both been TKO'd for 300 years. Now Madric is reviving. Harskalt sent his power to eight people who just happen to be the eight people you can choose to play the game as, and you need to unite everybody by conquering the continent and then go off and fight Madrick. The story does change significantly depending upon who you do it with, although the goal of killing Madrick is the same for everybody. And because it changes significantly enough, you can play it eight times and get a different experience each time, which I did. Okay. <laughs> What about so you, Abs? Did you have any ex- do you have any good experiences with this title? Pretty much. I mean, I never actually owned it myself, but my friend had it and let me borrow it for quite a long time. So, you know, what, what I liked a lot about the game is it's not like exceptionally long, like a lot of RPGs. Like one one playthrough as one of the characters wouldn't take exceptionally long. So, you know, define define not exceptionally long. It's been a while, so I couldn't tell you, but. I mean, it definitely didn't take like 20 hours for a playthrough, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's what I recall, because there were so many uh, different stories, you didn't want like a 70-hour RPG. Exactly. So, yeah, I remember doing two or three stories in like 50, 55 hours. I'll I'll take it, Phil, you haven't played this, because you haven't played any Saturn RPGs, correct? No, I did uh, did take the liberty of, of doing a little bit of research, and 
Um, it, it, you know, I mean, just from a totally bird's eye watching some YouTube videos point of view, uh, it certainly does look interesting. And I think the, one of the early points that Daddy Mike mentioned was that uh, – that that you know, I was amazed at how many units were on the screen for such an old game, especially. But I was watching the combat scenes, and, and boy, there looked like uh, there was like a hundred or two hundred characters on there, uh, just fighting all at once. And and I mean, unless they were doing something funny with the video, I wasn't seeing any real big slowdown going on there. No, no there's it, no it slowdown. Really slow down. Yeah. Yeah. But everybody knows the Saturn hardware is something that I mean nobody's been able to properly emulate it there's something about the way it was designed that it could do this that we just can't do now it's a strange evil black box Yes. Well, I ga- the story I gather is that uh, Sega had designed a machine that was really really good at 2D and then the Playstation was demoed in Japan and Sega suddenly threw the developers back into a box and said make this machine do 3D too and the developers just grafted it on at the last minute and yeah, the Saturn can do 3D if you really work at it, but usually the results weren't pretty. Well, but, Dragon Force worked. Yeah, and that just shows how good at 2D the thing was, because that is a yeah. good 2D game. So I guess out of the uh, quartet of mics here, I'm the only <laughs> one that hasn't completed Dragon Force that has that has played it. And I don't know if you all want to give your experiences, but I'll say... I, I had it when it initially came out. I guess back in we did say '96, right? I was, yeah, I had just started working at Electronics Boutique back in the day and was picking up any RPG that looked interesting because that's all I would play at the time, basically. But they had a cool thing there where if you didn't like a game, you could return a brand new game for full price, even if it was opened. Mm-hmm. And that's something you know that's impossible to imagine that GameStop or EB or anybody would do that I, re- I remember that. In fact, I remember how ticked I was when they stopped it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> because I brought a game back and they're like, oh, we don't do that anymore. We we did, 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 did something corporate office, blah, blah, blah. And I, mm-hmm. and I said, you know what? I'm going to stop shopping with you guys. And Of course, I didn't stop, but they, they stopped being my first place to go to. <laughs> so that was both good and bad for me because it was good in that I could be like, trying out any game that came out and didn't have to worry about it, but it was also bad because if I didn't get into a game immediately, I'd tend to return it so that I could get something else, even though there wasn't this huge flood of RPGs like we have nowadays, but we did have some back then, so that that was my biggest problem. I owned it and then returned it because I, I, I tried and tried and tried for like three or four days and just could not get into this one at all. And um, old Mike was um, or new real Mike. I, 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 <laughs> old Mike, wow, Binky. Um, I'll, I'll just call you. Uh, I'll just do last names. Jooms, yeah. Just their nicknames yeah. at this point. Jeez. Yeah, that that'll work better. Jooms was kind enough to lend me his, which is now on the way back to you, by the way. Um, okay. And I tried again. I got a little further this time. I did a little bit more into it. I think I had a little more patience with it this time, but I. I don't know. I just didn't have the patience. Does it? It you can't deny. I can't. It starts slow. Does it speed up eventually, or does it? Am I just crazy in thinking that this game starts extraordinarily slow? I'll give you that. When the game starts, it's probably because your people don't have many troops, and the enemy won't have many troops, and you need to go find some merits to up your troop count in order for it to pick up a bit. 
So that might have been what started to turn you off. Um, I just I would pick a character and then I'd start up and I had these generals and then I would click on a town and then I'd go make a sandwich and when I came back he might and you know next thing you know there'd be some dialogue some you know kind of fun campy dialogue and you know as par working designs but then you know we'd go into these battles and the battles were really cool and fun but it just took so long to get to them that i just didn't care it seemed i guess maybe you all enjoyed is it more of a simulation rpg strategy rpg combo in some sorts because you know maybe i just hate simulation type games am i totally off in this because i'm sure i didn't put as much time into it as you all have uh mr tidwell why don't you feel that i haven't played many sim games um, is it like a sim game? Well, that's a difficult question. I mean, it's not like... Um... Is it more of a blend between those? That's what it seemed like. It's, more it's of a definitely a blend. I mean, it's kind of like... Um, you played Ogre Battle 64, right? No, I own it, but I haven't played it yet. All right, well, you're going to have kind of the same kind of thing where I want to go somewhere, but someone might get in my way, so there has to be a time that goes by. And, of course, early I in the game... I have played a little bit of Ogre Battle, the original uh, March of the Black Queen. I have played some of that. So I yeah, know but 60, 64 brings it um, kind of full bear okay. because you can see a lot more, and it, well, let's be honest, it doesn't look quite as ugly. Yeah. And um, But really the trick is when you're starting early, you're like, well, I have to go to this town. Well, time has to pass. And what's supposed to happen, but it doesn't happen early on, is people get in your way. Because you're trying to get to a certain point. People are trying to stop you. So you're walking towards something. Um, maybe 40% of the time an enemy is going to get in your face. And then you have to fight them. Okay, Because if you're not invading, then it's more of a, a balanced attack and you kind of, you know... Um, the computer wasn't actually very smart. They'd come out and fight you because... Yeah. I, I think this you. is what happened. The one time I... or the, the very first battle that I got into, I was apparently walking towards a town. The interface was so awful that I had the hardest time even figuring out which buttons to press to actually send me to a town. And uh, uh, not having the instruction manual probably didn't matter at all, so don't worry about that. But... For some odd reason, I ended up fighting, and then I was down to it was just down to the two generals, and I think both of them were smacking each other with wands. Oh, cool! Yes, oh, yeah, it was wonderful because they about this. Yes, if you lose everyone and go into the duel, that's uh, that's fun. Yeah, in some ways. Yeah, and there are certain <laughs> characters you never ever want to duel with because the odds of them winning are something like one in a hundred. Right. Were you playing with Terrace when you did that? Probably. Yeah, you don't. Duels terrace. Terrace. <laughs> you dueled with Terrace, and you wonder why you had no fun. <laughs> I don't know. Which one's Terrace? <laughs> uh, the, the Elf Queen. Yeah. Elf Queen. One of the um, main... One of the only females. Yeah, the other female is somebody... Junon. She can win in a duel. Junon yeah. will win. I had, I had somebody on my team that their special attack was some fire pillar that would go across the sky and I tried to cast it and by the time I did apparently the units had already made it halfway across the stage so I was just setting fire to the ground and yeah, it didn't work really well and I just got <laughs> frustrated and said forget this okay well uh, that's the thing about casting magic the units don't stop when you're casting magic so you have to plan for that uh, no. it's I know it's real time strategy a, yeah, I've got a I've got a question for apps just because uh 
you know, these other guys know me and know that I'm easy street and like to go easy <laughs> on it. Am, am I crazy? Is this just, I mean, you can just flat out say it, you know, you suck. <laughs> you should have tried. <laughs> you, you picked the wrong character to be easy street. I'll tell yeah. you that. Now, fake Mike, if you do what he says, you may not be working anymore afterwards, but go ahead and say it. Uh, Tell him he sucks, please, please, I'm going to watch. Don't worry about that. (laughs) I looked Uh, up a fact and tried to find the easiest person to start as, and for some reason it said to start as... Is it Tiris? Is that what you said? Tiris? Tiris is not the easiest one to start with. She starts... Is it that, or is it Wayne? Wine? Wine. I'm horrible at names, too. I think I restarted as Terrace, so apparently whatever I was reading was wrong. Wait, did, didn't I tell you to restart as Junon? Yeah, you, you did. Junon would be the first one, honestly. Yeah, Junon starts with Harpies, which floor yeah. pretty, everything that doesn't shoot, and you can... Everything until you run into an army of archers, and when you're just so used to wiping everything, then you come out and you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> okay, let me see if I can explain. That's why Sina sticks along with her so that Sina can wipe up the archers. Let me see if I can explain what I saw as far as the content of the game goes, and tell me if I'm totally wrong. So you've got your generals, and they each have their own types of troops, correct? And like any tactical RPG, you have troops that are better against one type, and some that are weak to other types, correct? Correct. But what you would normally have is you'd have a massive army instead of just one versus one, a lot lot like... um, the DS Hero Saga that came out, except this is on a lot grander scale than that was. That was just like two or three, and they just take turns back and forth. This was in real time. And I, didn't see, I didn't see much relation between this and Hero Saga, frankly. Okay. The only thing I really saw was you had units, and they had... You'd send one unit out, and they had an army with them. was about the only... Oh, yeah, same with, like I said, similar. With Ogre Battle 64, you send out, you see the one unit, but it's actually a cluster. But in this case, you had a lot more. So oh, yeah. you could go uh, up against. You had 20 versus 20, or 80 versus 80, something along those lines. How varied were the troop types? I'll say I didn't try out. I know when I played the game initially, like over 10, 14 years ago, however many years it was, I know I went through and tried everybody that was available. Because I spent like a whole weekend trying everybody just to see if it would be any better. And I really think the interface and stuff's what really turned me off to the game. I just, I'm very impatient if a game doesn't let me do what I want to do. So. Yeah, here, here's something I should have told you very early on. Push start. That'll pause things so that you can look around at your leisure. It wasn't so much that I was having trouble keeping up. It was just I was trying to just do anything and it seemed like more of a chore to get the game to respond to me at all than it was anything else so I don't know I just complain a lot so I'll let you okay, all talk as, and as maybe talk groups, about some of the game's accolades well, let's, let's start let's try to focus in on a couple of things or one thing at a time first uh, Mr. Miki tell me what did you think as far as the story? Can you give us a brief overview of what exactly is the story behind this and what you thought, uh, you know, what, what, was your, what was your opinion of it? Okay, I have to sort of divorce myself from the proceedings for a little while because I haven't played this game fresh in a long time. I've been about the combat for years instead of the story because, frankly, 
the lines are interesting, but the overall tale I've seen plenty of times. It's not a particularly original tale. You start as one of the eight members of the Dragon Force, yada yada. You are one of the chosen. <laughs> yada yada. You have to unite the continent, and then you have to go off and fight Madrick. And yeah, gosh, does that does that gist sound familiar at all to anyone? Anyone? Never. And I've yeah. never heard that story before in my life. Never. That's so oh, original. Man. Yep. So and yeah. it pretty much ends the same way with all the characters too. Yeah. Yeah. You also get a quick animated scene at the end showing off uh, working designs, then current voice cast, so you can hear some somebody trying to do her best high pitched elf voice for Terrace, which is kind of interesting. Ta-da! That's. It's the details of each of each character's story that make it interesting because in between, you are the chosen one, and there's Madrick. Go kill him. Uh, you get a lot of little vignettes that are kind of interesting, and the interactions with the other characters before they join you are also somewhat interesting. Usually they won't join you without a fight, so you have to beat the crap out of them until they finally have no place left to go. But sometimes they will join you without a fight. Terrace will join Wine when he, whenever he gets close to her, which is <laughs> helpful, I guess. That, and, I think that should be your opening strategy as Terrace, basically. <laughs> yeah, if she can get out of her opening logjam with uh, the imposter queen who wants to keep her locked up, then Wine will immediately join her and promptly vanished for most of the game, which doesn't help you out a whole lot, but there you go. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Mr. Tidwell, can can you can you from beginning to end explain exactly how the battle mechanics work? We've certainly if you have already everyone's touched on a couple of aspects here and there and drawn some parallels with some previous games, but can you just take me as a new person who's never experienced this game before and explain to me how this works from beginning to end? I can give it a shot. It's been many years, but the basic gist is you pick one of the eight generals. And, you know, we, we've gave suggestions on which ones, but, you know, you start in a certain place and you need to get to your final destination. You know, it's explained in the story. Your route is usually defined also by the story, but if you can deviate, it doesn't stop you. You just sometimes run into things that don't like you so much. So you kind of want to follow along with the story because since it's an open area, wandering off and doing your own thing will probably get you killed. So you kind of want to stick to your story. You are basically trying to like they said, unite the continent, so you try to get people on your side, and when people aren't on your side, then you have to fight. Um, and the more you... It's really kind of an endurance, so the more you fight, the more you're going to wear down your troops, and it's not exactly easy to get them all back. So... Well, you have to camp out in a castle and wait for them to come back. Yeah, and, well, I mean, Matt can see how much fun that is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you literally are waiting real time, so, you, you know, maybe a sandwich is not a bad idea. But uh, I make some big sandwiches too. So it's not <laughs> like I was going well, for you know, two minutes. It's a six-foot hoagie, you know. But you, uh, it's a, you, it's a lot you better get, later on in the game when you're like moving around a bunch of different armies. Right, you know, because then if one accidentally gets if one accidentally gets decimated, um, you're kind of like, well, then that general will just sit there and wait because you hopefully have gained at least two or three allies. And so you're going to be doing a lot of multitasking too, and keeping track of micromanaging well, a, what's yeah, going where in real time. Like, but this general time, time, so I guess that's why down. it has to be slow. Right. right, and there's no way to really speed it up. So at the start, you're like, well, I got one guy, 
and one guy is going to walk. And, well, this is kind of boring. But <laughs> in the same time, he's going to walk the same distance later in the game, but you're going to be, like, seeing him about a, a fourth of your time. You'll be working on everyone else. And you're like, oh, I see this army is moving this way. I'm going to change this route. You're, you're watching the whole map and trying to counter their moves and make sure that, you know, if reinforcements are coming, you need to distract them and things like that. It's, it's, it gets very it, deep very quickly. But, yeah, at the beginning, yeah, you're like, wow, this is great. You know, it's like playing, um, it's like playing Mario and Luigi and you only have, like, Mario. And you're like, yeah, I can jump. This is great. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine how this is going to get more complex than I can jump on someone's head. I mean, and they're like, oh, and then you get a hammer. Oh, and then you get shells. Oh, and then you get fireballs. Oh, and then you get Luigi. And it's like, holy crap, you know? Suddenly, that same amount of time, you're like, I'm jumping. Wow, this is great. Now you're like, no, I'm jumping and dodging. You know, it's the same kind of thing. Everything builds in. And so by the time you're at the end of the game, you're just massively handling everything. And, you know, half the time you're, like, getting into battles to pause just to think about the next step you're going to do once you win the battle. Because battle isn't near as important as what you were doing afterwards. <laughs> I think I probably just needed, like, an idiot's walkthrough of the first hour, maybe, so that I could have gotten a better handle on exactly what was going on. I understood the general concepts. It just was more work. That I wanted to yeah, get into it, one I guess. Thing, one thing that definitely hurts you is that you chose Terrace, and she starts with archers. And archers, archers are probably suck. the worst in the game. Because mages do what archers do only better. And unless you're lucky enough to come up against a whole bunch of harpies, then your archers are not going to help you very much. Mr. Apps, can you build yes. on anything that any of these gentlemen have spoken about regarding the story or the... Uh, battle system is, uh, you know, do you want to talk a little bit about maybe the, the music and the voice acting? Well, um, I'd probably like to add on that it's, it for me, it really felt like a kingdom building game or, you know, some guy had been playing a lot of Civilization at the time, so, <laughs> you know, something like this, you know, I kind of gravitated right towards, you know, all, lots of micromanagement, uh, moving all your armies around, um, no, just, um, it felt, it's, I don't even know if calling it like a strategy RPG is entirely accurate, because it's a lot of, you know, recruiting, getting the new generals and whatnot, and, you know, I don't know, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah, it, I would go with a more simulation than strategy, because you do, I mean, even when you capture the castles, you're not like, okay, I'm here, I'm done, you know, you have to rebuild right, right. And, and recruit your new armies and things like that, so there was yeah, definitely a lot to do. And during the Couldn't you like execute some of the the extra gen the generals and such? If you, you went to war the with castles? them and you captured them, you could execute them. Yes. Okay. Hey, I never executed anybody. I just kept them in jail. Or sometimes they would join me. Sometimes they would just say, uh, "Dang, I can't remember any of the good working designs quotes right now." But they would just <laughs> decide to sit there in jail <laughs> instead of helping you. You're just I too thought... nice. I thought not everyone could, but I thought certain generals, if you if you had, uh, there were certain ones. I think they were literally like feuds, and you could actually kill them. Oh yeah, yeah. In combat, occasionally you would get somebody who didn't get captured but was slain. Right. But, right. Okay, I thought you were talking about killing people once you've captured them and they're in jail. I thought. Oh you no! Could do I mean, that, no. But maybe I'm never remembering wrong. No, once they went in jail, but if you. If they ran into someone that they didn't like, they could be executed, yeah. So, and that, that hurt you in general, so don't do that. 
<laughs> as far as as far as like the voice acting and music for the game go, I actually don't remember them too much, so I don't know what that says about them. They, well, the voice cer- acting certainly... takes place in maybe point oh 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 one percent of the game, so it's not that important. Right. But I mean, ne- neither of them were that were bad, just probably not obviously not memorable. But you know, the music was good enough. Mr. Cunningham, since you're the most recent participant trying this game out, do you remember, um, do you have an opinion as far as the music and the sound effects go? Did they contribute to the overall atmosphere of the game? Not memorably at all, no. And music's one thing I tend to gravitate towards, and it just, I mean, nothing was horrible about it. It didn't make me want to, like, slaughter baby seals or anything, but I just, you know. <laughs> slaughter baby <laughs> seals? Wow, so does something actually make you want to do that? Uh, there's been some game music. Uh, wow, uh, Mr. Easy Street <laughs> might be going uh, postal at your local zoo if you're not careful. <laughs> I think of Rhapsody DS. Yeah, that one, you know, made me want to slaughter baby seals. The the music to that one did. But you're nowhere so, close to baby seals. You have to settle for Bambi. I thought the uh, the game itself made you do that. Forget the music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if I had to just pick music, yeah, that would be one. At least you had a map. So, yeah. Enough. Yeah, wasn't too memorable. I'll just say that. Well, yeah, before me... uh, before we go on, I should mention one thing in case anybody's confused. To win a battle, your general and his and his or her army faces off against another general and his or her army, and you need to take down the opposing general. Taking down the army won't win the battle for you, although your troops will help you out a lot. It's taking down the general that wins the fight for you. How does how does if is it so when you're done with fighting the army you have to go into a one on one? Only if both of your armies have been completely destroyed and both of your generals are still alive. If that happens, then you get to duel, ah. which is computer controlled, and you better hope that you chose someone who can duel well because if you didn't, you're like <laughs> gonna lose. Oh, and uh, you should never duel with your chosen monarch because that is the one way you get a game over if your monarch dies. Everybody so, else. So that, that was a bad reason for me doing that. <laughs> yes, you do yeah. it with Terrace. I wonder why that you would feel badly. <laughs> this hey, game won, is no least, fun. So. Wait, you won? <laughs> yeah. You won with Terrace and you a You won duel? with Terrace? How'd you do that? I don't know. And you didn't keep playing? What? <laughs> <laughs> Your actions flabbergast us. Are you sure you didn't just make this up as you're going along? No, I ended up like it took like twenty minutes. Whoever I was fighting had a wand to was some kind of mage and was pretty useless, so Really? I lucked out and, yeah, I mean I just barely won, but it wasn't like a glorious victory. <laughs> <laughs> the only the only mage really what is uh Reinhardt, I think. He wouldn't have been with no, Reinhardt. It's but... early enough in the game he was probably fighting Laney, the the woman who wants to be queen. Oh. Yeah, and that would probably be a gimme for a duel. Yeah. Of course, Lainey is cool. I remember her because she has a whip and she likes to mention it. That does make (laughs) it awesome. Yeah, she likes to say when she uses her attack spell, ooh, I bet this will hurt so good. Something like that. Sounds like... Never mind. I was thinking like the, something the, working designs would do. Yeah, I was thinking something working designs would definitely be. <laughs> yeah, well, among the things that working designs inserted were so- someone uses the battle taunt for you, my friend. I have arranged the ultimate torture: tickets to a Michael Boltonavius concert. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Well, sweet. Something tells me that was not in the original Japanese. I'm thinking that. <laughs> okay, so so let's wrap this up. And as you guys know, I like to do basically give each one of you 60 seconds to either sell or deter the audience on, on playing this game. Now, not a lot of people uh, have a Saturn lying around their room or whatever have you. So when you're given your second seconds of glory here, I want you to kind of also integrate into that. Um, does this contribute or uh, does this contribute or give me another reason to buy Saturn if I'm considering going back? Does it stand the test of time to where uh, a retro gamer might want to consider going and this would be a contributing reason with some other ones to want to go back and get a Saturn, okay? And we'll start, we'll kick this one off with Mr. Minky. In short, yes. This is most assuredly one of the Saturn's crowning jewels that actually made it over. Um... The fact that I have played through the game eight times and will gladly do so again ought to say something, which I don't do very often. I don't play through games eight times very often. Um, the music is not particularly memorable in some places, but it's certainly pleasant enough. I like Junon's theme. Maybe that's because I like Junon as a character and as a warrior, but whatever. Uh, the graphics at the time and still look pretty darn good. Um, this is not like nothing else you'll ever play, and it does it well, which is also a good thing. And the story as a whole may not be particularly original, but it's well told. There are a few more typos than working designs usually let slip through, but there are also a lot of amusing lines to keep you going. I think, yeah, this is most assuredly a game that is worth having a Saturn for, even though... Picking it up on eBay is not going to come cheap, but it's cheaper than some other Saturn games I can think of. Mr. Apps. Yes, sir. Your turn. <laughs> All right. Well, as someone who doesn't really like real-time strategy games, I think it should come as a great selling point that I absolutely love this game. It's got, you know, a lot of things you'd like about an, an RPG. The story is not particularly original, but it's interesting enough. Um, it's got a lot of things you'd love in kingdom building games you know you send out different armies to basically conquer the whole map uh, the combat is fantastic it's not overly complicated it gets right to the point um, and I mean once that game gets going and you've got all kinds of different armies going all over the place you'll just be hooked and really I have never other than the sequel I haven't played. I have not seen another game that looks anything like this at all. And it is absolutely worth every single penny. Fair enough. Mr. Cunningham. I guess I'm the worst person to ask this, but uh, I don't know. It, people keep saying it's the crown jewel. It's a crown jewel and that. And the Saturn just didn't have enough jewels to really say that <laughs> well. But the games they did have that really did stand out were like Shining Force 3, Panzer Dragoon Saga, um, heck I'd even want to replay Albert Odyssey and Magic Knight Ray Earth before I replayed this one, or before I tried to play this one again, but Ouch. like I said I'm probably the wrong person to ask because it just didn't it just didn't mesh with me. I have my Saturn hooked up from where I was playing it um, it's making me want to play some other Saturn games that I have now but if I was to play this one again, it would have to be some kind of remake with a little bit cleaner interface. That's the one thing that really just turned me off. Play Shining the Holy Ark. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. 
and Daddy Mike. Yeah, this is definitely, I mean, if you can get a hold of it, this is definitely a game to play. If you can't, like I said, I've tied a lot into the play into, uh, into Ogre Battle 64 because while it's not the same battles, it's still the same idea of you're trying to manipulate maps and do multiple units and, you know, conquer cities and things like that. So, I mean, you definitely want to try it if you can get it. But it's not like if you can't, you completely missed out on an experience because I don't think we'll ever see a remake of this um, with Sega pretty much waffling on everything. Well, yeah, Sega, did, Sega did do it in the Sega Ages line, but of course that didn't come over here and... If you want to mod your PS2 and play it in Japanese, that's the only other way you can do it. Yeah, and the fact that they did do that, and we still don't have a copy, I mean, I'm waiting to see when the Saturn gets its due, because we have the virtual console, we have all this stuff, and the Saturn completely is off the radar. You know, I almost feel, we're going to get Dreamcast re-releases before we get Saturn games, and that's, that's almost the whole thing. I mean, yeah, Crazy Taxi's awesome, but the lineup of the Dreamcast compared to the Saturn is a joke. Panzer Dragoon Saga needs to be released, re-released yes. somewhere, for the love of God. So you I don't like paying $150 for your game? I refuse to pay that much for it. I, I got as mine as, as with as my Saturn. Oh. Yep. See, I got mine back when I was working at EB and was able to you know, pick up oh. games that just came in before they actually put them on the shelf. And I was like, ooh, that looks neat. And I had no idea what it was or that it would I be see. that rare. But I thankfully, I didn't return it. I <laughs> yeah, thank you. He returned that one. <laughs> I know. I got mine for about 90 bucks about 10 years ago on eBay when I just took a chance. Somebody was selling it without a picture, and I figured I'd trust the description. And the seller was right, and I got what is now a screamingly good deal for it. <laughs> and um, uh, so, as our audience knows, on my on my spare time, I do accounting work on the site, so I love to crunch numbers. For those of you RPG backtrack fans, retro gamers who might be looking or thinking about trying out this little gym, uh, it's it's been going for about fifty to sixty-five, seventy dollars on eBay for the English version. And that's uh, probably Jap- just disc only. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of those are disc only or, or what? No, I see a disc only here sold for sixty bucks, um, and whatever have you. Yeah, if you want it, um, that's how Mike. much I just sold mics for. There you go. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> that's that's where it went. Okay. So this is what you mean when you say it's on the way back to me. On 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 the bright side, you can get the uh, you can get the actual uh, Sega Saturn itself for about twenty five thirty bucks. So, but, you know, so it's kind of like you know, it's almost reverse of what you normally kind of expect. You kind of expect the system to be around fifty or sixty bucks, and the games to be about twenty bucks or so. But it's kind of the opposite going on here. Interestingly and enough, and this being a Saturn game, it is of course available nowhere else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I tell you, it's really interesting here. Just just in looking for that, I found a. Um, this one person put up a total tangent here, but he put up a, a Sega Saturn collection, including Panzer Dragoon, Shining Force 3, Dragon Force, that's how it came up, Magic Knight, Ray Earth, um, Albert Odyssey, Legend of Oasis, Shining the Holy Ark, Shining Wisdom, I think there's some imports in there, Enemy Zero, Galactic Attack, he's got about a total of 25 different games, some RPGs in there, maybe 28, um, and sold it for $1,000 even. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Sounds so, like somebody got a deal. So, yeah, I'm going to say, I'm not sure he got a good deal out of that. I just. Whoosh, all right. 
All right, well, fair enough. Let's move on and continue a discussion of a slightly different type as Mr. Mike Minky will talk to us about Dragon Force 2. Yeah, Dragon Force 2 came out in 1998, which of course meant that it was not going to come over here because by that point, working designs and Sega hated each other's guts. And, if and even you if they Dragon didn't, Force... they treat it just like Shining Force 3 other parts and just ignore it. You're rubbing the raw wound, Mr. Cunningham. Sorry. Yeah, seriously, bitter. what's up with that? Bitterness. <laughs> I'll stop. Bitter you actually played it. What are you bitter about? That's true. <laughs> I haven't played it. Neither have I. Yeah, okay. Dragon Force 2. If you've played Dragon Force 1, this will look immediately familiar. So talking about the differences is far easier than talking about the ways it's similar because there are a lot of them. Uh, one thing that's very different is the computer doesn't do nearly as much attacking in this. The computer will like to just sit tight and let you make the move. So you won't even see the computer fighting with itself very often off in the distance. You have to go out there and bring the action to it. And to that note, you there are caves scattered around the landscape now in which Zeldokian officers live, and Zeldokia is the evil force now, which is eventually revealed to be controlled by Grandel, who turns into a dragon when you fight him. He was never called Madric, but I think it's pretty clear he's he's Madric reincarnated five hundred years later. At any rate, the big difference in combat here is that you can have two tro have two troop types at the same time. And there are a whole lot more troops that you can use. For instance, you have robots, robot horsemen, flying robots, falcons, chimeras, uh, ghosts. Um, those are about all the ones, except for the Zeldokian officers use things called goblins. And goblins are, of course, weak to only a couple of, tri of troop types, so you'll need to pile up on horsemen because those are the most effective things against them. And... So it sounds like sounds like this is kind of a more dumbed-down version, basically, then? It doesn't sound like no. it's as tight? It's different, and the need to go into the caves every now and again to kill things because you might not be strong enough to take out things directly in your path is somewhat annoying, but the combat is essentially the same. Oh, one thing that is very different, if you get a draw, you don't get much of anything from it now, and both people who get a draw can fight again that turn. In the original, if you get a draw, then neither pe person who fought can fight again until that round of combat is over. Hmm. Um, one big difference, there's a lot of voice acting now. Uh -oh. You get tons of it through all the story segments, and, you know, I don't understand much Japanese, but they seem to be doing a pretty good job. As for the story itself, well, you eventually, you have to unite Legendra again. It's 500 years later. Things have gone wrong again. And suddenly you find Terrace, 
stuck in a time-sealed castle somewhere. Don't ask me why Terrace is still there 500 years later. She just decided that uh, it was important. I can tell you why she's still there, because I sent her to that town apparently 500 years ago, and she just now made it. (laughs) (laughs) Except you did that after I played the game. So you, sir, have mastered the art of time manipulation. That is interesting. That's true. Speaking of time manipulation, I'm sorry to bail in the middle of this, but I'm being <laughs> summoned by visitors we just have. So, ladies oh. and gentlemen, thank you, and I'm sorry I have to bail early. Oh, good. One less mic for me to keep track of. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay, well, Mr. We appreciate We appreciate you being on this evening, Mr. Cunningham. Have a fun time. Thanks Thanks for being on. I hope to have you on again real soon. All right. Y'all, y'all come back now, you hear? We will. All right. See you guys. See you later. Bye. Later. All right. Goodbye. Okay, let's see what else. Um, there's a bigger variety of music now. Uh, each country has its own separate battle theme. Some of them are better than others, but they're still it's still interesting to hear. And in particular, the out-of-battle section, which had exactly one track in the original, now has a different track for each kingdom, and that's very nice because, let's face it, that track got kind of monotonous after you've heard, after you've heard it enough. And... Yeah, again, you're you're choosing from eight different people. Two of them you can only use after you've beaten the game once. It's different countries this time, and the people are different, but the ideas are the same, and the the countries are even the same. The landscape somehow changed in 500 years an awful lot. (laughs) Probably so that you wouldn't have to look at the same locales again. Yeah, it's magic. Magic. Oh, of course. That explains everything. Well, magic died the first time... uh, the very earth changed. That's how I'm justifying it. There you go. <laughs> and yeah, you meet up with a couple of baddies that you will probably be familiar with from the first game, even though their artwork is different now. And they're led by three new guys, one of whom his name can be translated as either Olvo, Orvo, Olbo, or Orbo. So take your pick. Which is the best name? I don't know. And Veterans of anime will recognize the voice actor for this guy. He does Guy in Naruto and several other performances you'd probably recognize. Mm. So overall, yeah. would you say this is worth you know, the importing? I'm sure the language really isn't much of an issue here. Right. The menus are pretty much identical to the first one, which makes it an easy import for people who have played the first one. And if you haven't played the first one, I'm not sure why you would start with this. because it's cheaper (laughs) but keep going because it's speak, and that makes me excited (laughs) I should mention that you can get a total of five spells for your commanders instead of three in this one but only the really important people ever get up that high most of them stop at three or four and then you get a sixth spell when it comes time to face the final battle crazy talk (laughs) Um, so you, you think it's worth the import then? I mean, it sounds like it. If you've played the oh, first one, one... One other thing I should mention. There's an item crafting system in this, which I found pretty interesting. Because oh. if, you, if you put an, uh, enough time into it, you can get some really powerful weapons. I think the most powerful weapon in the first one raised your attack by 10. If you get a powerful one in this, it raises your attack by 40. That's a pretty big difference. And it's mildly annoying to try and do that through the Japanese barrier, but every item looks different so you can just 
experiment and get the good stuff and lucky you there you go you've just uh significantly raised your attack power so that's handy <laughs> um so it definitely sounds like it then if you played the first one you liked it you should definitely get this i actually have a few that's... questions about the game go for it uh does it have like all the same unit types from the first game or does it have any new ones there some of them have slightly different names but it looks like all the same units are in there you've got zombies you've got samurai you've got dragons they're not necessarily good against the same types that they were in the first one so you have to reaccommodate yourself to that right and yeah there are seven new unit types that you can use and a couple of goblins that you can't use and you'll just be fighting against when you fight uh, the Zeldokian officers who all look like well, they look evil, so you should know that they're evil. <laughs> Appearances are not deceiving in this case. <laughs> okay. So you can basically tell by looks what everything is. Well, when you see someone who looks like a demon and is commanding an army of demons and wants to fight you, uh, draw your own conclusions. Okay. <laughs> um, now, as far as playing it on the Saturn... Mm -hmm. Do you use like an action replay or something to to use it? I did the first time. I then I had my game shark hmm? or a game shark or something like that. I know. I have an action play. replay. That's how I played it. Okay. I played through all eight people. You should know. So I was just as addicted to this one as I was to the first. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now that I have my Saturn modded, I don't need to use the action replay. I can just pop it in anytime I want. Well, aren't you lucky? Yeah, well, the game that I had to mod it for, we'll talk about another time because apparently people on the forums want to hear about it, but that one will deserve lots of time. Okay, then. <laughs> um, like, any more? Any more? Any more questions, uh, Mr. Fake Mike? Uh, is there a good guide out there somewhere that we can link people to? Uh, there are a couple of incomplete guides on GameFAQs that'll tell you what you need to know. If you've played the first one, you pretty much know what you need to know. It's just a matter of accommodating yourself to what's new here. Yeah, like the new spells and stuff. Yeah. Excellent. Can, well, there's a healing spell, which can be useful on the right people. I'm going to have to import this game. And, and you can do it for the low, low price. It's going about uh, between uh, 12 and 20 bucks, so much cheaper than the first one. <laughs> Although about the same price as the Japanese version of the first one. Yeah, or yeah, or you can just yeah. I mean, really, if you don't really care about the English language, you can really save some money here just going with the Japanese version of the first one. Just screw the language. Who cares? Uh, the the working designs is fun, though. Working yeah. designs translation is fun. Well, this is true. And it has nice packaging. Mm. Well, speaking yeah, of packaging, so, speaking yeah, of some packaging, some of the fonts that they come up with in the working designs version are pretty amusing. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of packaging, I don't want to ruin my segue here. Speaking of packaging, <laughs> let's wrap this up with uh, with our final lap here, and then, uh, we'll be back in just a moment.
as long as we're doing final lap, I should mention that Master Chief did offer something with regard to our last backtrack. Why don't you share that with us, Mr. Miki? He said, I must admit that I found Portrait of Ruin to be the more offensive game style-wise, as they tried to make it even more anime-like. Dawn had an anime art style, but didn't have an annoying girl sidekick making horrible anime-style facial expressions, nor did it have the sort of corny script that Ruin had. Yeah, Castlevania games aren't exactly plot-centered, but goodness, P.O.R. tried way too hard to be an anime. Don't even get me started on Jonathan whining for most of the game about how he wasn't strong enough to use the vampire killer effectively. A few other miscellaneous factoids. Jonathan Morris was apparently the son of John Morris from Castlevania Bloodlines, and Wind would later be revealed to be Eric Lacard, who was the other playable character in Bloodlines. And that's really it. We had a couple of miscellaneous Final, Final Fantasy VIII comments and not much other talk about Castlevania. Yeah, and... Boy, no, I mean, there was only one other tiny comment that, that was sort of related to the last show. Um, and... Um, uh, where Lithros wrote that after listening to our cast, she could just imagine me sitting back in my chair, the evil podcast mastermind petting his cat, Dr. LaClaw. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I almost want to send her a prize just for that comment. But I'm not because I'm evil. So, <laughs> at any rate, yes, those were some uh, great letters. We would definitely want you to leave more comments and questions on the boards. Or, of course, you can always email those to me at jcservantrpgamer.com. Of course, we always welcome you to record and mail in your two-minute reviews on any of the games we're going to talk about next week, uh, which are, we'll, we'll list here in just a second. Uh, yes, we'll anyone right who owns a Saturn and wants to be featured, talk to us. We always oh, like to hear from fellow Saturn owners. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And what are, Speaking of our, our next show, so people know what they're going to be writing and recording about, Mike, what, what are we talking about next uh, in a couple of weeks? Oh, we're talking about a series with... I think the shortest RPG title ever, especially when you talk about the first one, it's just a vowel and a consonant. Yeah, or, very no, short. It's, no, it's a vowel that is sometimes a consonant, followed by a consonant. But if you can't get it from that alone, it's E's. E's. We're going to be talking about a whole bunch of E's. So, just... Oh, they're all pretty short. That makes it easy to talk about them. <laughs> Easy, get it? Ha! So, recording those two-minute reviews on any of the Ease games. We're also going to be talking about Space Siege and From the Abyss... Uh, from the Who put that in there? No, <laughs> we're did. not. No, I did not type in no From the Abyss. Someone edited my notes. Minky. I did not do that. You subliminally wanted to purge your horrible, horrible memories of this game. You know what? So it's that's a... what you're going to get to do. You get to purge you know... the horrors that you were put through when you had to play this. Until one of you guys fess up who stuck in From the Abyss into the show notes, I'm going to blame it on Fake Mike because he's the newest. Well, you were telling me you wanted me to review it earlier today. So there. And we will be talking about Tales of Vesperia. So there's plenty plenty of things for you guys to, to write us in or record your comments about and mail those in to us. Of course, you can always follow us on Twitter.com slash RPGamer and become our biggest fans at Facebook.com slash RPGamer. I uh, want to thank Becky, Mike, who've already left, <laughs> as well as the fake Mike, a.k.a. Michael Apps, a.k.a. Wheels, a.k.a. Flat Tire, and my co-host hey, Mike. Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> for... You know, I'm sorry, Mr. S, but I blame it all on you, and my, you know, my revengeance will be sweet um, for doing an outstanding job of putting this together. 
boy. And to our audience, we thank you for listening to RPG Backtrack. As always, you are the reason we do this. RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email jcservant at rpgamer.com. And hey, help you think shape. Did well? No. Oh, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Yeah, what is your name? We've apparently forgotten. Yeah, I don't exist anymore. That's fine. I thought it was Daggy Mike or something. I don't you know, know what it was. You weren't on at the beginning when I was writing up the show notes. I have to go back and edit I said I was going to be here, but it would be close to being right on time. Yeah, well, you know, you were like 30 seconds late. I'm sorry. Um, oh, I had to stand in the corner the whole show. Yeah. You were the last Mike here. I was, but I'm the most important. Yeah, uh, okay. That now that now that you've had your... 30 seconds of being selfish and hogging up the show. Let me finish up my jingle. <laughs> Help shape our future shows. As always, listen to our previous podcast, as well as our awesome sister show, RPG Cast at RPGamer.com. Mr. Mike, the floor belongs to you. Is Legendra truly at peace? Magic may be beaten, but with huge armies of harpies, zombies, beasts, dragons, archers, and some random bandits wandering around, will peace hold? Spoiler, it won't. In 500 years, things will be bad again. We won't mind, though, because killing things is just as much fun 500 years in the future as it is right now. So go bring down a ton of your enemies, conquer a continent, and good night! Wait! Wait, we can't stop! Wait, wait, keep it recording. Mike, we didn't do a contest question. We always forget this. This is true. This is true. Good... Now, now we're going to call... Now, as, as everybody in the whole wide world knows, today is an official country holiday you know it's starcraft day starcraft 2 is out today as of the day of this recording so i went out and i got a little story to tell um basically i was kind of on the fence whether or not they could the collector's edition or not but by the time i finally made up my mind all the collector's editions were sold out which is to say not very long after they went on sale so which was you know pre-orders sold out a long time ago but today which is the release date and i still hadn't bought any copies yet i figured i'd just pick one up at the store just buy it digitally my uh, my boss asked me to take them uh, on a quick errand and on the way back there was a best buy i stopped by there it took me a while to find it but i did find the starcraft 2 table and they had three copies left and when i left they had two so i got the collector's <laughs> edition which if you know about the collector's edition it has an extra copy of starcraft 1 on usb stick a james a james rayner tag uh, that has the copy of the game on it which means i've now got an extra copy of starcraft so that's what we're giving away because we only give away the best prizes here in rpg backtrack that is a 12 year old real-time strategy game but it has a really great story which almost makes it like an rpg so, what Mike, what's our question? <laughs> Shut up. Uh, Mike, what is your question? All right. In Dragon Force 1, you are going to fight Sith and Gaul a whole lot, and they're going to become very annoying because you can't capture them. You can beat the crap out of them over and over, and they'll keep getting away and coming back to fight you some more. You'll meet them again in Dragon Force 2, but either working designs changed the names or they were, or the names changed for Dragon Force 2 because they go by something other than Sith and Gaul in Dragon Force 2. What are their names in Dragon Force 2? So, that's the question. What are their names in Dragon Force 2? Email those to jcservant at rpgamer.com. Uh, uh, Mr. Minky, if you could also do me a favor and email me those answers that way. I won't have to keep bugging you every time somebody answers. <laughs> and the first person to get that right and who cares to receive it <laughs> will receive a brand new used copy of StarCraft 1. And I think that includes the Brood Wars. So you're really getting two games for the price of one, even though they're wait, both. Wow. Wait, did you, did you just say a brand new used copy? 
Yeah, I did. Yes. I did. <laughs> I wasn't used exactly, but it's on a stick. Okay. Mr. Tidwell, whose show is this? Okay, thank you. So, <laughs> mail in those answers, and we will send that right away to you if you care to receive it. So, thank you so much for the Star P. Backtrack. We'll catch you all on the flip side.